the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How many of you would say, Pastor, without any doubt, I know a time in my past where God provided for me. Let me see your hand. Yeah, me too. Why do we forget it? Why do we not rely on him as we go forward? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to respond to worry, to anxiety, the way that Moses and the Israelites did. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis year was 2000 I had an opportunity that I didn't know was coming my way I had a chance to attend Super Bowl 34 even as I was walking into the Georgia Dome I had no idea that this would go down as one of the best Super Bowls in all of Super Bowl history if you remember that it was when the Tennessee Titans being led by their quarterback Steve or Air McNair um, They were going up against the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf, led by Kurt Warner. What a game it was. And as I watched there in the stadium, it was amazing. You had no idea that it would come down to the wire like it did. The Titans were up against a, a pretty determined Rams team, but they stayed in the game. In fact, near the end of the game, it looked like the Titans were coming back. The Rams had scored, but the Titans drove down and scored again. It looked like the Titans were going to win. But in one play, Kurt Warner threw, I think, a 76-yard pass, and the Rams scored. Was that the end? Sure seemed like it, but the Titans were not giving up. The Titans drove all the way down the field, and with six seconds left, they found themselves On the 10-yard line, Eric McNair, Steve McNair, the quarterback, he threw a pass that was picture perfect. It was caught. It looked like they were scoring, but they were stopped on the one-yard line, and the game was over. That was a great experience. I remember just standing there, and everybody in the stadium was in shock at that ending. But as I think about that today on Super Bowl Sunday, and as I think about the kind of people that I've spent my life around, I recognize that there are a lot of folks like us who know the right truth. In a lot of ways, we do the right thing, but we still find ourselves falling short of that life that Jesus promised, a life that Jesus calls one that is abundant, that's overflowing, And I want to tell you today that it doesn't have to be that way. You you don't have to come up even one yard short when it comes to experiencing God's best in your life. I really think you can experience all he has for you. But if you're going to do that, you're going to have to deal with something that we call 
anxiety. Now, let me just see if you're tracking with me. How many of you would be honest enough to say, um, yeah, I sometimes struggle with anxiety. Let me see your hands. All right, how about, does, keep your hands up. How about maybe you didn't answer that one if you said, sometimes, pastor, I worry. Go ahead and raise your hands. All right, that should be all of us except for the few that are lying. And so um, here's what scripture says about anxiety. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, listen to this. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I want you today to experience some kind words. But here's the great news. These words are not primarily for me. I want to cover you up in scripture because here's what the Bible says. God's word never is returned void. God's word never goes out that it doesn't have impact where it is. So before we do that, I want to make sure you understand what anxiety is. And and I kind of wanted to make sure I understood, so I looked it up. And, And this is the definition of anxiety. It's a noun that is a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So last week we talked about depression and how depression usually takes place because we're focused on our current circumstances or even more often where we're looking in the rearview mirror at what's happened behind us. Anxiety is a little different. Anxiety is when we're fearful about what's in front of us. We're overwhelmed with the future. In the Bible, that word anxious literally means to be stretched in two different directions, to be pulled apart. That's what it feels like when we're anxious, right? And you even feel that in your stomach. You feel like your stomach is being pulled apart. Your hopes are pulling you one way. Your fears are are pulling you another. Your dreams are pulling you one way. Your doubts are pulling you another. And you feel like you're going to be pulled apart. Ultimately, anxiety is fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of those things that we can't control, fear of the future. Man, fear is manifested in a lot of ways. Some fears are rational. I mean, there are sometimes we should be afraid. My daughter, she's 10 years old, but she has no fear. It's kind of crazy. You would think otherwise. She's never seen anything in her life because she was born blind, but she has no fear except for she gets a little afraid of our little yappy dog named Frosty. But beyond that, no fear. So I'll take her, for example, to Bush Gardens and she'll want to ride every roller coaster there. She will want to ride that insane thing that goes up real high and then just drops straight down to the bottom. I'll do it with her because I'm a good father, but the whole time I'm just closing my eyes and saying, Jesus, please help me live. I'm speaking the name of Jesus over that ride and those roller coasters. You know, it's rational to fear some things. In fact, some people don't have a healthy sense of fear. Did you know that there are people now that die in selfie-inflicted deaths? They're, They're trying to do something that looks daring, so they're taking a selfie of themselves as they're backing to the edge of a cliff, and some have fallen over. At the top of high-rise buildings, the same thing has happened. You know, there should be rational fears in our life. We don't touch a hot burner because we know that will hurt us. There's some things we should stay away from, but there are irrational fears, and they're manifested in all kinds of different ways. If you study this, it's interesting. Did you know the number one thing people fear? You know what it is? It's the fear of public speaking. Number two is the fear of death. And so that means that there are a lot of people that would rather 
die than talk at somebody else's funeral. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. There's a fear called cathisophobia. Cathisophobia. You know what that is? It's the fear of sitting. I'm really praying that none of you are struggling with that today. I think some of you do because I see you keep getting up and going to the bathroom. And then there's one called ablutophobia. Ablutophobia. You know what that is? It's a fear of bathing. So I heard that and you know what? I I got scared because I'm afraid of sitting next to someone that has the fear of bathing. I mean, that's a very bad thing. Then there's one, it's harder to pronounce, arachibaterophobia. That's the fear. You know what that is? No, that's arachnophobia. This is arachibaterophobia. This is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the top of the roof of your mouth. <laughs> then there's nomophobia. You, want, you know what nomophobia is? That would, yeah, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that's no more fears because that's nomophobias, but that's not what it is. No, nomophobia is the, the fear of being without your mobile phone. And some of you are struggling with that because I keep seeing you look it down at it, but it's, uh, that's phone stress. And they even have a phrase to describe people that are struggling with that. They're called constant checkers. I mean, can you just, can you remember a time when you didn't have a cell phone with you and you just weren't constantly checking? Did I miss something? I mean, you drive up by these people on the road and they're at a red light and they've got like 4.2 seconds and they're panicking, reaching for their phone and they're just checking it. And what are they checking? Social media. Yep. Scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, right there at the stoplight. So... Reader's Digest did an article recently about what would life be like if we didn't have social media because social media stresses me out. Now, there are some things that are good about social media. Like it would be harder to find people that we're looking for if we didn't have social media because we're reconnecting with people. There's some dangers in that too. But you know, they said the number two thing is we wouldn't compare ourselves as much to others. Somebody said if they didn't have social media, they would have to take their cat and go knocking around every door in the neighborhood just to show the funny things their cat can do. <laughs> Somebody said we'd be better and safer drivers. We wouldn't be as overexposed. or we're, we're, We would waste less time. What, I, what I'm trying to do is just show you there's a lot of things that create anxiety in our lives. What's creating that in your life? Is it the uncertainty about your health? Is it financial challenges? Is it your relational situation, what it is today, what you wish it were in tomorrow? It's causing you to worry. This is what I know. Worry is often created by stress, that idea that I'm just pulled in different directions. And worry can become a sickness. We talked about that with depression. It's true of worry, too. Do you know that many people, probably some of you, Statistically, you've been to a doctor or to the ER because you thought you were having a heart attack. And they did all the tests they could do, only to tell you you were having a panic attack. So in this setting, what we have to do is accept that worry is often a stronghold. You know what a stronghold is? Something we've learned that takes hold of us, and often we've taken back hold of it. We don't let loose. 
So Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says, the Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So what we've been learning in this whole series called Breaking Free is that we have to take those thoughts captive and we have to stop listening to the lies of, of the enemies and, and we have to start preaching to ourselves the truth and specifically the truth of the gospel. We have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day because the bible says well not just the scriptures jesus said worry is always a sin so that's how we're going to deal with this today now having said that let me just tell you there's a lot of good resources if you say pastor could you just give me some practical help? There's a pretty new book by Louis Giglio called Winning the War on Worry. It's just like a little devotional guide, and, and you can read through this, and it has some ways you can pray specifically and, and, and some scripture verses you can look at. You could do that just probably in a short amount of time. If you're a leader or work causes you to worry a lot, this is a great resource by Steve Cuss. It's called Managing Leadership Anxiety. Very practical, very helpful. One of my favorite authors and pastors is Max Lucado. He wrote, wrote a book more devotionally several years ago called Anxious for Nothing. That, that's good. I love this psychologist named Daniel Amen. He, he's proven helpful in my life and in our family's life. He's written so much about mental illness and health issues, and um, he wrote this little book called Conquer, Worry, and Anxiety. And I, I would encourage you, if you're struggling, this will be helpful to you. It's very cheap, paperback book. It's pretty simple. In fact, so I could turn here, and he's got uh, 25 simple and effective ways to combat worry and, and anxiety. So we could go through those. Like he says, start every day with the words, today is going to be a great day. So he's just reminding us that your mind makes happen what it visualizes. Just true statement. And second, he says, write down three things you're grateful for every day. And, and researchers found that people who did this significantly increased their sense of happiness in just an, in a short period of three weeks, just developing an attitude of gratitude. Or third, he says, every day write down the name of one person you appreciate. Then tell them. That's a good practice. Or how about this one? Limit screen time. You know, studies report a higher level of depression and obesity, hello, with increased time spent with technology. And then exercise is the fifth thing he says. It's the fastest way to feel better. Go for a walk or a run. 
there's a lot of help that you can get. But I'm not your counselor, right? I'm your pastor. So I didn't come here today to sit on the couch and just tell you how to help yourself because self-help can't be the solution when self is the problem. When self is the problem, we need someone outside of ourselves, someone bigger than ourselves, And that's who we've come to focus on today, and his name is Jesus. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm not dismissing these other things that could be helpful to you. Some of you just need to work on your breathing. Some of you do need to exercise more. There are a lot of good things that can help you. But I want to help you hear the words of Jesus. Because he really had a lot to say about this. For example... Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, wouldn't it be better if Jesus would have stuttered a little bit? If he would have said, don't always worry about your life. or He didn't. Don't worry about your life, what you eat or you drink or, or, or about your body. Are any of you worrying about your body? What you will wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be worrying by worrying at a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And then notice this. You of little faith. I, I want you to see today that according to Jesus, worry seeps into our life when faith is absent in our life. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, that's enough trouble of its own. Um. Last week, I told you that sometimes depression takes place because chemicals in our brain are imbalanced. It's a biochemical issue. Today, I'm telling you that worry takes place when we're spiritually imbalanced. And so let me tell you how the imbalance works. When we worry, our priorities are imbalanced. We're not focusing on the main thing. You've heard that cliche. The main thing is to keep the main thing what? Well, Jesus said the main thing is to stay focused on him. If I were taking notes, I would jot down Matthew 6, the verse we just read. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. We're focusing on the wrong things. So how do you focus on the right things? Well, here's the good news. Everybody do this. Yeah, pat yourself on the back because you're doing one of the right things right now. When we gather to worship, that stimulates us in our faith. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 10. It says, don't forsake gathering together because when you do, you're encouraging one another in your faith. Have you noticed that usually, if you're seeking the Lord, when you leave church, you feel better? Why is that? 
Because we spend time just focusing on Jesus and singing about Jesus and praying to Jesus. By the way, in case you didn't know it, that was my wife talking about Jesus up here during that song. And and she knows what she's talking about because recently the dying saint she sat by was her daddy. And And we know as we've journeyed through life, nearly married 30 years, living longer than that. And how would we make it without holding on to Jesus? So when we sing about him, we, we're magnifying him and, and he just draws us in close. You get your priorities right when you get in, your, get in God's word. I'm in a reading plan that was written a long time ago, but it's amazing how every day when I get to the scripture that God has appointed in that plan, it's applicable to my daily life. Why? Because my priorities are right. When you pray, specifically when you pray together with others, man, it just lifts you up. Why? Because that's one of the things you should prioritize. When we worry, our priorities are in balance. But let's look at how Luke describes this same passage. Luke 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Look at verse 25. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Now, I didn't stop when Jesus said this in Matthew, but let me just point something out. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he did this how? By saying, let there be light. Let there be heavens. Let there be earth. In fact, in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the, and the word was God, and the word was with God. That's a kind of sometimes confusing way of just reminding us that Jesus didn't just show up on the pages of the Gospels. He's not God Jr. that arrived there in Bethlehem. Jesus has been there from the beginning. He was a part of creation. And Jesus, who spoke the world into existence, is saying, okay, I spoke the world into existence. I created everything that is. Just add an hour to your day. Go ahead. Ever tried that? Can't do it. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Then he says again in verse 31 here, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. But notice this, this is a different verse. We didn't find this in Matthew. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You see, when we worry, not only, not only do we find that our priorities are in balance, when we worry, our perspective is in balance. We don't see God for who he is. <coughs> Remember how Isaiah saw God? In Isaiah 6, he says, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then he says, woe is me, for I am undone. God high, me low. What's your perspective of God? Jesus gives us some ways we should look at him in that one verse. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has pleased, been pleased to give you the kingdom First of all, if we are a little flock, who is God? Yeah, so the flock is sheep. He's our good shepherd, Scripture tells us. What do we know about sheep? This is not encouraging, church, but hear this. Sheep are dumb and sheep are defenseless. If it wasn't for the shepherd, sheep wouldn't make it. Because everybody that comes along is stronger and faster than the sheep. I mean, they look at the sheep and all they see is leg of lamb. 
It's bad news. But what does the shepherd do? The shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd meets the needs of the sheep. What does God say about what he does for you? He says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He's the shepherd. He cares for you. That should be in your perspective. But not only that, it says, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father, Bible says God is your father. Well, I know that's hard for some of you. Some of you have not had a, a good example here on this side of heaven of what a father looks like. I hate that. I'm, I'm so sorry. Maybe your father abandoned you and your family, or maybe they even abused you. That's happening too often in our world. But why does God choose to relate to us that way? I, I think it's because he wants us to see the unconditional love of the father. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.